Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on FM Los 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Joining us today, we have a journalist and uh, an author. He's written a new book called Down Along with That Devil's Bones. It's a reckoning with monuments, memory, and the legacy of white supremacy. So, welcome to the show, Connor Town O'Neill. Hey, thanks. Good to be with you. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a so, long title. I know. I, I, I've always liked long titles. Uh, well, you, you've done this well. Um, get, before we get into the subject, so how did you get to where you wanted to write a book about this? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I, I think it's it's not so much that I chose this topic as kind of fell down a rabbit hole about this topic. Uh, I was in uh, Selma, Alabama, for the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. That's the attack by Alabama police officers on uh, civil rights demonstrators at the foot of the Edmund Pettus Bridge, sort of the climax of the civil rights movement in 1965. Uh, that you know provided the, the tailwind to pass the Voting Rights Act that year, uh, and, and 50 years later, uh, I was there to report on the anniversary. President Obama was there to speak and to cross over the bridge, in sort of symbolic remembrance of, of, of that history. Uh, and 40,000 other people showed up to, <laughs> to to see the speech and to be there for the day. And and Selma is a small city. I mean, you know, it's a um, the kind of place that gets sort of overrun if 40,000 people show up. So uh, parking was a nightmare. And like a lot of small southern cities, Selma has this big uh, cemetery. And, and so I, and it's pretty close to downtown within walking distance. So I figure, okay, 
I'll find a place to stash my car over there. I'll walk down to the bridge. I'll, I'll, you know, be there, think about the civil rights movement, uh, and, and head home and ended up finding way more than I bargained for. So there's a section of the cemetery there that's called Confederate Memorial Circle. When I pull in, I see all of these signs staked into the grass. Confederate Memorial Circle closed, no trespassing. A bunch of people scowling at me as I pull in. And that's kind of catnip, you know, that's, that's catnip for a reporter. So I, I wander over and, you know, kind of credulously ask them what they're doing. And uh, I come to learn that this group who calls themselves the Friends of Forest had spent really the better part of the last two decades fighting about this statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest they had put up. Uh, Forrest is seen by Confederates, people that admire him as, you know, a canny military leader. Uh, but of course, he was also a slave trader before the war. He was an accused war criminal during the war, uh, served as the first Grand Wizard of the Klan after the war. So he's an incredibly controversial figure. Uh, and so to put up a statue of him in Selma was all the more controversial given Selma's history and connection to the civil rights movement. Um, compounding that then, they had put the statue up the same week that the city had elected its first black mayor back in 2000. It was just an enormously controversial thing to do. That statue was eventually stolen, I, I learned, uh, and, and prompted even more fighting and debate uh, and protests and eventually a federal lawsuit <laughs> that the Friends of Forest had recently won. When I met them in 2015, they were fresh off a win in federal court that was going to allow them to replace this statue. So, you know, I, I, the dissonance of this encounter of meeting these neo-Confederates on a day of major civil rights anniversary just really kind of threw me for a loop and raised all of these questions about who Forrest was, what it meant to put up a statue to him in 2015. Uh, and so, you know, here I am five years later still chasing after those questions. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's what sent me on this journey. That's pretty interesting. You know, the um, I, I, I myself uh, being a Canadian and, and being down in the states, um, I was pretty unaware of a lot of the Confederacy. You know, like who they are and and uh, what they've done. But one thing I do notice is there's a lot of American television and movies, especially from the '60s and '70s. You know, John Wayne and all those, and they almost um, celebrate Confederacy. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, there's a. I was just going to say, why is that? What, like, why is that? The Confederates lost, and they sort of were not fighting for really a good reason, right? As far as I understand. So, um, what, no. Why? Not. So why are they so? Well, especially back in that generation, why were they so idolized? Yeah, that's a great question. So. The Confederates were making it clear, really to anyone who would listen in the lead up to the war, uh, why they were fighting. You can look at the articles of secession that the different uh, states ratify. You can look at the speeches of the Confederate president, Jefferson Davis, uh, or the vice president, Alexander H. Stevens. And they're saying explicitly, we are doing this to protect the system of slavery and to expand it into the West. And we're doing it based on this foundational or cornerstone belief, as they put it, that the people that they were enslaving were inherently inferior, stamped by God with that inferiority. 
Um, and so it, it, it really is this explicitly, you know, white supremacist project. They are fighting to create an ethno state in, you know, former American states in the South. Um, that creates a lot of problems after the war about how you remember it. Um, three quarters of a million people died. And in the South, there was, there were, um, thorny questions about how you were going to how you were going to think about that loss and how you're going to commemorate that loss. Um, and as the great historian uh, David Blight points out, there were really two two things that Americans had to do after the war. The first was to vest full, you know, political empowerment to the, the formerly enslaved, you know, equal protection under the law, voting rights, uh, you know, the things enshrined in the 14th and 15th Amendments. Um, the other the other task was for the, the sort of sectional reunion of, of white Americans, North and South, the kind of brother versus brother fighting uh, to, to reconcile that. And, and they were always going to be mutually exclusive. Um, and of course, this sectional reunion uh, won out over a, you know, a full investment of citizenship uh, in, 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 in black Americans. And so you have a way moving forward after reconstruction, you have a way of remembering the war that's just about, uh, you know, the sacrifice of the Southern soldier, the tragedy of his death, um, a, you know, real magical thinking about what the system of slavery was, you know, telling lies about how it was all benevolent masters and contented enslaved people, you know, these fictions that, that we told ourselves to cope one with the massive losses of the war, but two, because even if slavery ended, the, the, the lie of black inferiority that was being told to justify it was uh, perpetuated uh, and, and, you know, continued to dominate so much of American life long after the war. Um, but it allowed people in the North and the South to look at the Confederacy as, you know, rebels, as, you know, just sort of hard scrabble, um, you know, don't mean nobody harm, Dukes of Hazard type stuff uh, <laughs> that, that totally, to- totally ignores the reason that they were fighting and the consequence of fighting to keep this system of slavery that was, you know, physical and spiritual torture um, predicated on this lie that they, that the people that they were enslaving sort of deserved it. Um, that's a really, that's, that's tough to square up to and be honest about and talk about a lot. It's far easier to, you know, tell a story about the Duke's hazard. Um, so, so I think that that's why, and, and that's, you know, that's, uh, intoxicating and, and, and seductive way of looking at the past. And so that's why we get these depictions in media of someone like John Wayne, you know, brave, uh, tough, rash, but, you know, totally overlooking the deeper consequences of, of what the Confederacy represented. Yeah, I am um, uh, living out in West Virginia right now. Uh, my home is D.C. And uh, it's so interesting to me to see and I guess you're from Pennsylvania, so you may see some of this, too, where you have mm. people in West Virginia flying the Confederate flag um, and, and Pennsylvania flying the oh, Confederate yeah. flag. And I'm, I'm just kind of I'm, I'm scratching my head at that because <laughs> historically, you know, it, that's not the case, you know. And like, so what do you think? Right. Wh- what do you think it means now? Like, wh- I mean, what does it mean to contemporary? You know these people who are putting up the bed for the Nathan Bedford Forest statue. I mean, what? I mean, what does that actually that symbol mean to them? Is it about the past or something else? 
I think it says something about the past, but it says something about the present, too. Um, you know, it, it's not a coincidence that a statue of Forrest goes up just after a, a majority right. black city that is synonymous with black voting rights, like right. the first black mayor. Um, so it, it's about, you know, obviously monuments are, are seeking to uh, honor a figure from the past, but these statues don't just show up out of nowhere. Uh, they require money. They require political capital. They require connections. They require land. Uh, you know, so there's a way of looking at the statue as a reflection of values in the present just as much as it is about, you know, uh, seeking to honor someone from the past. And, you know, I think the Confederate flag might mean or, you know, Confederate symbols generally always have such yeah. specific meanings. You know, I look at four different mm -hmm. monuments of, of forests and they mean slightly different things in each city that they're, um, each city that they go up in, just like it means something different to fly the Confederate flag in Alabama than it would in Michigan. Um, but I think the core, it, at, at its heart, it, it is still, uh, it is still about race. It is still about, you know, seeking to, uh, make a statement about power and about racial power. Yeah, I mean, it certainly, um, it strikes me is that that's playing a big, a big part of it. But also that sort of image of like what people, you know, you're talking about the, the sort of uh, the bravado of whiteness or the sort of that mm. hard scrabble, like just something embedded in there too. I mean, this is, you know, just yeah, my, sort of you know, the romance of the rebel, the romance, of the rebel, right? Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think it, yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's, that's in the brew as well. Um, but, but it's worth asking, you know, who, if you're, if you're flying the flag to be a rebel in, you know, as you're occupying the state house in Michigan, um, who are you rebelling against? And, or, right. or if you're just trying to, you know, rile people up or, you know, make people angry, who are you trying to make angry and, and why? And I think right. that once you ask those questions, it, it um, yeah, the, 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 it, it's romantic to be a rebel, but it, it's always—I think—it always does come back to um, this this idea of prerogative or and, and resentment. You know, that's a sort of long-standing white resentment in, in a country that's true everywhere, and not just the South. The uh, uh, the rebel flag is a useful symbol for that. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, what is it you hope uh, people get from this book? Mm. I hope that we can, it, it, I mean, <laughs> you sort of flatter yourself when you answer a question like that. Um, but I mean, you know, ideally, you know, I, I hope that this can be some small, small, some small step to getting us to a common understanding of our past. That uh, I, I think often we we have a naive sense about how we should use our history and what we should, why we should look to the past. And, and I think often the impulse is to look to the past to sort of flatter ourselves and to tell us a story about American exceptionalism and why we're the greatest country in the world. Um, and, and instead, I think we, sh we could also look to the past and should also look to the past uh, as a way of understanding how we've wound up in the moment that we're in and with the the sorts of drastic inequalities that we still have in this in, in this country. Um, so if we can look to the past and if we can look to the Civil War specifically as a way of understanding. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Beginning say why we have a 10 to 1 racial wealth gap in this country or why uh, the pandemic is the disparate deaths along racial lines because of the pandemic are pointing up unequal access to good health care or why, you know, the the state sanctioned murder of George Floyd in the streets of Minneapolis is is, is such a uh, horrifyingly common occurrence. Um, if we can look to the past in, in the Civil War, not to flatter us or not to find romance in the rebel, but instead to understand why we have the present that we have, um, you know, then I think we'd, we'd be that much closer to building a consensus for, uh, you know, the policies that might address those inequities. So, you know, that's, that's, that's big, I know. Um, and I don't, I don't flatter myself that, you know, reading this book has the answers. But, but I think if we really can start to use history in a different way, um, in a way that holds us responsible and, and helps us understand uh, the country that we've inherited, uh, we might be closer to, uh, to, to really grappling with the present. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I'm, soon I am moving to Richmond, Virginia in a few weeks, actually, mm-hmm. leaving D.C., 
And so I'm, I personally am very fascinated by the transformation that's gone in that city and, and with its monuments yeah. and um, some really interesting, ex- a lot of exuberance and joy, which around, you know, taking down those monuments, which, and of course, a lot of people, you know, very, you know, against, against it. But I mean, what do you, so what do you see? Like, I mean, how do we translate these spaces into something fresh? How do we, how do we engage with history? Like, what is, what is the, you know, in terms of just the monuments, um, you know, taking down, sure, but what's the next step, do you think? <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of the images this summer from Richmond have been really powerful. The graffiti yeah. on the Lee oh, yeah. monument projecting, projecting the face of George Floyd onto it. Uh, and, yeah. and, and re, sort of re, reclaiming or recontextualizing what those, what those monuments mean, I think, has been really powerful. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the next step is, uh, one, I should say, I'm a little hesitant to say what, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to defer to people in the, in the cities in which these monuments stand about, sure. you know, what should be done with them or, or, or what's next, because I think there, there are different issues in different cities. But generally, you know, I think, Ideally, there's there's a you know a, a, a logical progression uh, in the thinking that goes you know that that statue is wrong. It's wrong that that statue is here. Okay, why is it wrong that that statue is here? What is what are the, what is that a symbol of in the present uh, that makes it wrong? And 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 whatever your answer is to that question, um, whether it's you know how we uh, how we fund public schools or how you know how you buy a house in the, the city that you live in, and who gets you know good mortgages to buy the house in the quote unquote right neighborhoods to go to the quote unquote right schools, um, you know you know whatever it is, whatever it is that makes it galling that there's a statue of Robert E. Lee in downtown Richmond in 2020, um, whatever that that pings off of in the present, um, I think can you know should should orient you to to, to what you want to do next. And, and, and I guess I'm a little hesitant to get too specific about it because that might lead you anywhere. I mean, this, right. the, the ways that, that this, this lie about race has been used to hoard wealth, to hoard resources, to hoard opportunities, to hoard land. I mean, just infiltrates every aspect of our society. So, you know, I think if, if you look, you know, how, a concept like whiteness is used and, and how the outcomes of so many policies in so many areas of life turn to benefit white Americans, you know, you might, you might then do the next thing might be anywhere. Um, it might be healthcare. It, it, it might be housing. It might be schooling. It, you know, it, it, you know, it's it just, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So, but, but I think understanding that that one, you know, this, this lie about race, that psychotic idea of race in, in America, um, <laughs> yeah. is not a, is not inevitable, um, but instead is a you know a way of um, you know per- perpetuating this racial hierarchy that we have, um, and so you, you know undo that wherever you are, whether it's you know the way you know power works in your workplace um, or in your neighborhood or, or wherever. But I think just being sensitized to issues that that, that race is a tool for for, for power. Um, that might that might lead you to the, whatever comes next. Great. Well, you know, I have to wonder in these times right now with uh, the things going on. There's a lot of history revision 
There's a lot of people that don't believe and, you know, they'll say it's uh, liberal history, it's not true. How, how do you counter mm-hmm. something like that? The historical record often, <laughs> you know, like I said, like the, there were, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, people, people worry that like, oh, we take down the history, we erase, or we take down the statue, we erase history, you know, but the history is there in the archives and the history is not flattering. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that that's, uh, that's the first step and that's pretty straightforward, but it, it does get thornier than that. I don't, I don't mean to suggest that it's, it's that simple. We, we see in things like the debates from the New York Times, the 1619 project, uh, that there are, uh, the, the fight is, is not so much about what the history is, but how to interpret it or, or what the consequence of that history is. People want to dispute, you know, just how important, just how influential, uh, the arrival of enslaved Africans was in, you know, the British, British North America. Um, you, there's not a debate about whether that happened in 1619, but there is a debate, you know, the people on the right really do want to, um, uh, want to cling tightly to this, these ideas of, uh, a version of not history, but the consequences of the history, like looking to 1776 with reverence. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's really a, a question of the consequence of our history. And, and so then I think the next step after you look at the, you know, what the actual historical record says is to then look at the present and say like, okay, if we can even get past trying to look into the hearts of people and weigh whether this individual was a racist or not, and instead look at the outcomes of the policies uh, and the systems that they are involved in, who benefits, who's punished, you know, who's, who's made vulnerable. Uh, then I think you, you have a, an almost moral duty to, uh, to change. Now, whether or not people take up that moral duty is certainly another question. Um, but you know, and, and, and how much you want to make a sort of moral argument, um, you know, how effective that is, I think we could debate for a long time. But, but I think if you do look at outcomes and if you look at the consequences of the history in the present, um, it, it, it really does go to show that there's a lasting injury from the system of slavery and the lies that we were telling ourselves to justify that system. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, you can, we, we've, we've managed to ignore it for a long time, going back to, you know, you pointing out how we remember the Confederacy in the 60s and the 70s with John Wayne and, and, you know, Bo Duke, but, uh, but it, but there is, there is a, a, a moral urgency to, to change how we look at that. Did you, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to ask sort of what was probably the most challenging part of writing, um, this book. I mean, what did you find was the hardest part of this for you personally? Hmm. I mean, from a craft point of view, from the actual writing uh, of it, mm-hmm. the hardest part was to find a way of balancing past and present um, mm-hmm. and, and finding finding things that had really good narrative hooks, had strong beginnings, middles and ends, had, um, you know, good characters in them um, and, and, and finding ways of talking about what can be, you know, sort of heady or, or complicated ideas of the, you know, the social construction of race, you know, these sort of more theoretical, uh, more academic ideas, finding ways of, of talking about them, uh, in a way that is accessible, 
uh, and doesn't disrupt the the narrative, uh, the, the stories that I'm telling in the book. Um, so that was that was a real balancing act from the writing of it. Um, in the reporting of it, I think a lot of it was just getting. It was hard to get people to talk. Um, you know, generally it's hard to report uh, over the last couple of years in the era of fake news. Uh, <laughs> people are people are skeptical of journalists, and especially in a a, 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 a topic that is a, a, such a controversial one as, as Nathan Bedford Forrest. Um, but it, you know, it's difficult on people for people on both sides. You know, I think that the the folks who love Forrest, some of them were skeptical of me because they feel like it's quote their story. Um, they have mm-hmm. their version of history. They have their reasons for loving him, and they think that they they don't get a fair shake. There, there's this revisionist history over the you know in recent years that that is you know telling them what to do and how to think about their heroes. So they don't want you know one more journalist with a with a Pennsylvania number calling them up. Uh, just trying to get them to talk to tell their story if they can't control how it's told. Um, and then I think people, you know, activists, people who have been, you know, uh, uh, insulted or on the, the you know, uh, affected by these, uh, these monuments, black Americans who, who have, uh, involved in these stories. I think we're skeptical of me for the inverse of that, feeling like mm-hmm. uh, this is some interloping, ger- interloping white journalist who just wants mm-hmm. to sort of, get the uh the story because it, there's a spectacle to it you know uh, oh mm-hmm. the uh statue of the first grand wizard of the clan goes up the same week that you elect your first black mayor like oh that's a juicy story um mm-hmm. and so i think you know folks who were involved in that story were skeptical of me um and and questioning why i wanted to tell that story and how i was going to tell that story um, so yeah, so so that that posed some challenges in in the reporting. But as is true in any story, you, you just keep showing up, keep calling, keep trying to get people to talk, keep trying to show that you're doing this in good faith, and and will be you know uh, uh, respectful to their point of view. So yeah, but but that was that was certainly challenging. I bet sure. So what's up for you next? Hmm. A million dollar question. <laughs> um, I uh, I think I want to dig. I, I talk about this a little bit in the book, but I think I want to I want to I want to dive into it with both feet now. Uh, my family has a deep history in New England, uh, descendant from the, from the Mayflower, and uh, involved in the Salem witch trials. And and I think I want to I want to dig even deeper into those those historical stories and, 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 and trying to understand how that earlier, you know, Puritan and colonial history is still um, still shaping our present. So, I, you know, a similar approach, trying to balance history and um, history and present day reporting, but to <laughs> jump back a few more centuries even uh, and, and, and do some reporting in the North now. Well, fantastic. Well, it's been a really good conversation. It's a very interesting subject, and it's something uh, I think we need to talk about more. Um, is there a particular place? Do you have a website or something that people can reach you on, or, or are you hiding? <laughs> no, <laughs> not hiding. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter at Town O'Neill, T-O-W-N-E-O-N-E-I-L-L, uh, and uh, my website is connertownoneal.space. Um, so yeah, drop me a line. Okay, fantastic. We'll have you listed on our website as well. Um, our guest has been Connor Great. Town O'Neill, and we've been talking about his new book, Down Along with the Devil's Bones. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Connor. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thanks, y'all.
To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.